Welcome to Learning Bible Truth. Thank God for another season. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Here to take you on a tour of the Bible by reading entire books in the Bible. Not just one scripture, full chapters. And of course, I share my commentary while we read line upon line and precept upon precept of every word of scripture. Since you won't take the time to study and show yourself approved before God, I am bringing the scriptures to you. So get your Bibles, take out pen and paper, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's grow in faith while we learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Not my will, Lord, but God's will be done by giving our lives to his son, Jesus the Christ. Happy Saturday, everyone. Ah, I hope today is finding you and your family well. I appreciate each and every one of you for tuning in today. And for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, I suggest that you go through my podcast and find parts one and two. Listen to those before you listen to this one so that you can catch up and know where we are. Uh, the name of this series is Paul's Letter to the Romans, or either the Letter to the Romans. Paul is, is writing this letter to the Romans uh, to those who had accepted Christ, the Messiah, Yahshua. Yahshua is Jesus' name in Hebrew. Yahshua is the Hebrew name for Jesus, Okay. So we had Jews that did accept Christ as Lord and Savior. Also, Gentiles. Uh, I, I've mentioned this in every podcast. God made the ground leveled to where any man can come to Christ and be saved. Salvation is no longer just for the Jews. It's for everyone. Anyone who is not a Jew is a Gentile. We will we'll cover chapters 9 through 12 today. And finish this series tomorrow by completing chapters 13 through 16. I am reading from the ESV today. The English Standard Version of the Bible. And it doesn't matter which version you have. Actually, it really does. But in this sense, it doesn't matter which version you have. Because in the end, we will be in the same place. Because I am sharing commentary as I read. So, with that said, let's get this show on the road. No, let's get this truth on the road. I am in chapter 9 of Romans and beginning at verse 1. I am speaking the truth in Christ. This is the Apostle Paul talking. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit. Verse 2, that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. Verse 3, for I could wish that I myself were, acc were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. What Paul is talking about is 
his heart is grieving for his fellow brothers and sisters, the Jews. Because Paul is a Jew. He is an Israelite. He's actually from the tribe of, of Benjamin. But he has great sorrow and pain in his heart because uh, some of them did not accept the Messiah. Okay? So this is what Paul is talking about. Um, where am I? Verse 4. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. Because you have to remember, I don't care whether you like it or not, because we have some religions that teach against this, but the Bible is the Bible, and the word is the word, and we cannot change it. That, oh no, the Jews are not God's chosen people. Well, the Bible says they were. So who are you to change it? Who are you to change it? Paul suffers from great anguish, he says, because his Jewish kinsmen are unsaved. That's the bottom line, because they are unsaved. Now, if, we, if it were possible, Paul might also choose to be cursed himself, he said, not me. Now, my heart may hurt for family members and friends that are not saved, but I don't wish I was cursed because of it. You know, um, so that his fellow Jews would be saved. That that is the ultimate uh, goal and wish for Paul is that his fellow kinsmen, the Jews, may be saved. Now, you can cross reference this in Exodus 32 um, verses 30 through 32 when Moses spoke about that. But Paul knows that this would achieve nothing for him for none but Christ could be any person's substitute to bear God's wrath. So he ain't talking about him being cursed. It was just a figure of speech. Okay. Now let's pick up. Let me read verse four again. They are Israelites and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship and the promises. Verse five to them belong the patriots. The patriots are Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And from their race or either ethnicity, according to the flesh, is the Christ who is y'all better make sure y'all write this down. Who is God overall blessed forever? The Christ is God with a big G, the creator of the heavens and the earth overall blessed forever. Amen. That's what Paul is saying. Now, the great privileges of Israel are listed. The six blessings here can, can be divided into two parallel lists of three. The adoption, talking about salvation, adopted through Christ. The law was given to the Israelites. It wasn't given to anyone else. It wasn't given to the Gentiles. Glory was given to Israel. Worship. The right to worship the true and living God was given to Israel. The covenant, the Mosaic covenant was given to, to Israel. And the promises of God were given to Israel. Now, the Israelites became God's adopted people when God saved them from Egypt. Okay, glory here. Uh, it, it refers to the glory of God in the tabernacle and temple. Now, Israel received the covenants in which the Lord promised to save them. Okay. God gave his people his law at Mount Sinai prescribed. There was worship in the Mosaic law. Okay. And gave them his, his saving promises. 
Now, don't forget, we're talking about teaching, which God gave me the gift to teach. So I need you to understand this, the difference between um, the Jews and the Gentiles. God gave those things I just mentioned at, uh, as promises to the children of Israel, not us, not us. Now, when we talk about the patriots, we're talking about, and I mentioned it a few seconds ago, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They are the main patriots. Also come from Israel. All three of them. Now, most importantly, Jesus, the Christ, is also from the Jewish people. And he is not merely a human being, but is also fully God. Now, therefore, the fact that so many Jews have rejected Christ brings sharp pain to Paul's heart because Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, Yahshua, he comes from the Jews. My Lord, my Lord, let's pick up at verse six. But it is not as though the word of God has failed because it hasn't for not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. So that X's out the black Hebrew Israelites who started a whole nother movement back in 1966. I don't even want to go off into that. But you need to know this Bible. Ignorance of the word of God is the reason people are perishing. Is the reason. What did Hosea say? My people, he spoke on behalf of God. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Verse 7. And not all are children of Abraham. Because they are his offspring. That doesn't mean they children of Abraham. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Oh, so what is Paul talking about here, my Lord? Even though many Jews have failed to believe, God's promise to them has not failed. For there was never a promise that every Jewish person would be saved. God never promised that. It was never the case that all the physical children of Abraham were truly part of the people of God. Uh, you can read Genesis uh, 21 verse 12 and because it teaches that the line of the promise is traced through Isaac, not Ishmael. Okay. Now, let me explain that. Isaac and Ishmael both were Abraham's sons, but the promise was through Isaac. Why? Because Isaac was promised to Abraham and Sarah. But Sarah was impatient and went and got her maid servant Hagar to have sex with her husband Abraham. She got pregnant and produced Isaac. He was not the promised child from God. The promise is coming through Isaac. And that's what Paul is trying to distinguish here. Just because you are descendants from Abraham through Isaac doesn't mean you are part of the promise. Okay. Now, um, when we let's go into ver verse eight. Uh, verse eight. Now this means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. If you are through Isaac, not Ishmael. Okay. Now the words children of God show that Paul is thinking of salvation. Okay. Therefore he is not thinking merely of physical blessings given to Israel. He's not thinking about that. Now let's read verse nine for this is what the promise said about this time next year. I will return and Sarah shall have a son. See that promise was with Sarah and Abraham. Okay. Verse 10 and not only so, but also when Rebecca had conceived children by one man, our forefather, 
Isaac, verse 11, though they were not yet born and had done nothing other, uh, nothing either good or bad in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls. Verse 12, she was told the older will serve the younger. Verse 13, as it is written, Jacob, I love, but Esau, I hate it. Now, the, the word hated in Greek, in Hebrew too, me, simply means love less than because God doesn't have hate in him. So the word hate here means love less than. I don't know why the translators didn't put love less than there because that's what this means. Because we'll have a person read this and say, you see, God does hate people. No, God does not hate people. It says, Jacob, I love, but Esau, I hate it. No, Esau, me, uh, God loved less than Jacob. Esau turned out to be horrible. It's because God knew he knows what's going to happen before it happens, but it doesn't mean that he's doing it. Esau is Edom. And we know Jacob, na Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Esau is Edom. Edom was horrible and is believed today to be Tokyo. Okay. But Jacob and Esau were twins and their mother was Rebecca. Isaac's wife, but God told them beforehand, you have two nations in your stomach, in your belly. You, 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 I need you to understand this. God foreknew this was going to happen, but he didn't make it happen. Now, let, let me give you a little bit more insight on this. Now the promise, which is Genesis chapter 18 verses 10 through 14 was not given to Hagar. And I mentioned that earlier. Okay. That's in Genesis 16. But you got to remember Sarah and Abraham were up in age. Sarah and Abraham were promised a child from God, but Sarah became impatient when got her, her maid servant Hagar, who was an Egyptian woman who is black. Okay. All Egyptians were black especially during the biblical times before it was the mixing of the bloods and, and the ethnicities back then. And my brother uh, in Christ, uh, Fred Price Jr., is doing a whole teaching series on this, how the different ethnicities and nations mixed back then so no one is pure, okay? But Sarah went and got Hagar and brought her into her husband, um, Abraham, so that they can uh, he can have a son to be his descendant. But Isaac, they produced Isaac. Isaac was not the promised child. Okay, he was not. The promise was not given to Hagar. It was given to Sarah. It was specifically given to Sarah and her offspring. Now, the birth of Esau and Jacob is further evidence that God did not promise that every person of Jewish descent would be saved. For they had the same father and mother and were, and, and were even twins. In Rebecca's stomach. And yet God chose Jacob and not Esau. Okay. So when your husband out there. Um, having sex outside of the marriage and produce another child. That child is not the promised child that God promised a man and his wife. Now I want that to sink in for, for a second. And how that equates here. I don't want to. That'll be another teaching. I promise you. I will teach about that before this year is out. But I got a lot of teachings coming up. I'm just trying to inform you. About the difference between the Jews and the Gentiles. Who are us. Anybody not a Jew is a Gentile. And how, how that promise of salvation came to us. Because the Jewish people. The Israelites rejected the Messiah making salvation available to us. 
Okay, and all that was a part of God's divine purpose. Um, let me read verse 11 again. Though they were not yet born and had done nothing, either good or bad, in order that God's pur purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls. Now, uh, verse 12, she was told the older will serve the younger. Verse 13, as it is written, Jacob, I love Esau. I hate it. Um, let me elaborate a little bit on that. I don't want you to get lost. Cause see, before I get to these scriptures, I already know it. And I have so many scriptures, you know, rolling around in my head. Sometimes, um, some scriptures come out that we hadn't even gotten to yet, but God did not choose Jacob on the basis of anything in Jacob or Esau's life, but to achieve the fulfillment of God's purpose of election. Now, Christians can be assured Therefore, that God's promise will be fulfilled because it depends solely upon his will. The contrast between works and calling shows that salvation is in view, not merely the historical destiny of Israel as a nation. For the Old Testament background on election, I want you to read Genesis chapter 18, verse 10, Exodus 33, 19, Malachi 1 and 2, and in the New Testament, Ephesians 1 um, and verses three through six, you can cross reference that. Now the promise given to Rebecca in Genesis 25, 23 was that God had chosen the younger Jacob over the older Esau. Okay. One of the themes in Romans nine 11 is that God works in, in surprising ways. Okay. Not mysterious ways, but, but ways that surprise the human mind so that no one can ever presume upon his grace. Okay. Now chapter 13 talks about, you know, the, uh, citation of Malachi chapter one, verses two and three also shows that God set his saving love on Jacob and rejected, hated Esau, meaning love less than, okay. Love less than, you know, is, is kind of startling, but as a sinner, Esau did not deserve to be chosen by God. Okay, who remains just in not choosing everyone. The salvation of anyone at all comes only from God's mercy, from God's grace. Okay, you can't work to be saved. It doesn't matter what you do. It comes through God's grace and mercy only. Okay, now let's pick up at verse 14. What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means, the apostle Paul is saying. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. Verse 16. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. Verse 17. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose, I have raised you up that I might show my power in you. And that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Verse 18. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills. And he hardens whomever he wills. Now you know. I got to elaborate a little bit more on this. Okay. Now since God chose Jacob instead of Esau. Before they were born. Without regard to how good or bad either of them would be. The question naturally arises. Is God just in choosing one over the other? 
God is just because no one deserves to be saved. That's why God is just. Excuse me, because no one deserves to be saved. Everybody is born in sin and shaping in iniquity. And the salvation of anyone at all is due to God's mercy alone. As the citation of Exodus 33 verse 19 affirms. Now salvation then is not ultimately based on human free will or, or effort, but depends entirely on God's merciful will. I need y'all to understand that. You ain't saved because you bought, uh, helped a, a old lady across the street yesterday. You are not saved because you brought school supplies to a school in need of supplies. You are not saved because you helped out a family member or a neighbor who was in need of help. You are saved by God's grace and his mercy only. You can't do enough good deeds to be saved. However, because we are saved, because God saved us through his mercy and grace, we should do good deeds. Please understand the difference. Please. Now let's pick up verse 17. Uh, for the scripture says to Pharaoh, I'm reading this again. For this very pur purpose, I have raised you up that I might show my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Verse 18. So then he has mercy on whomever he he wills and he hardens whomever he wills. So this for this very purpose. OK, Paul's quote of, of Exodus 9, 16. That's what Paul was quoting to show that God is suborn over evil as well. Even the wrath of man praises God for, for God installed Pharaoh as ruler and hardened his heart so that his own saving power and glorious name would be spread throughout the whole world. Okay. Throughout the whole world. Read Psalms uh, 76 verse 10. Okay. Now let's pick up at uh, verse 19. You will say to them, or uh, let me say that again. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? Talking about God. Why does God still find fault? This is Paul asking a question because he know that what he is saying could be misunderstood by some people. So he elaborated a little bit more or elaborated a little bit more for who can resist his will. Who can resist God's will? Verse 20. But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? That's that's Paul's response. <laughs> will what is molded say to its molder? Why have you made me like this? Verse 21. Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable, honorable use and another for dishonorable use? Verse 22. What if God desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? Verse 23. In order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory. Verse 24, even us whom he, that he is God, has called not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. Oh, my goodness. Um, what, what, what is Paul talking about here? God created a world in which both his wrath and his mercy would be displayed. Now, indeed, his mercy shines against the backdrop of his just wrath, because there's a such thing as, as justifiable wrath. OK, showing thereby that the salvation of any person is due to the the marvelous grace and love of God 
If this is difficult to understand, it is because people mistakenly think God owes them salvation. Oh, we got some selfish people on this planet. They mistakenly think that God owes them, them salvation. No, he doesn't. In his grace and mercy, God has called people to himself from both the Jews and the Gentiles. Okay, from both the Jews and the Gentiles. Let me read 22 again. What if God desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power has endured with much patience? Vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. Verse 23. In order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory. Verse 24, even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. Verse 25, as indeed he says in Hosea, those who were not my people, I will call my people and her who was not beloved, I will call beloved. Verse 26, and in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called sons of the living God. And I, be, I say this on a regular basis. The Gentiles were originally not God's people. Okay, now Paul is quoting Hosea uh, chapter 2 verse 23 and chapter 1 verse 10 to illustrate the, the grace of God. That those who are not my people will be called sons of the living God. In calling the Gentiles to salvation, God calls a sinful people to himself. Just as in saving Israel, he showed mercy to the undeserving. No one can presume on God's grace. In calling anyone to salvation, he shows undeserved mercy to those who were not his people, which are us, the Gentiles. Okay, us, the Gentiles, verse 27. And Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea, meaning countless. We can't count the, uh, the number of the sons of Israel. Only a remnant of them will be saved. We're talking about Israel. We're not talking about us. This is what the Jehovah's Witnesses get caught up at. Thinking a remnant, just, just a certain amount of people will be saved, 144,000. 144,000 is talking about the 12 tribes of Israel. 12,000 from each of those 12 tribes will be saved. It totals 144,000 people. Jehovah's Witnesses think that's the total amount of people will be saved. Are you crazy? Are you crazy? That comes from misunderstanding this word. Because we are not a part of the 12 tribes of Israel. We are Gentiles for Christ's sake. Man, thank God I'm a Gentile. I wouldn't want to be a part of those tribes. And then we have this new movement, the black African-American Hebrew Israelites. Let me tell you something. The original Hebrews were not a part of Ham. Case closed. Case closed. Let's move on. 27 again. And Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea. Oh, countless amount of Israelites. Only a remnant of them will be saved. Verse 28. For the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth fully. And without delay, verse 29, and as it, and as Isaiah predicted, if the Lord of hosts, that's the, 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 the Lord of, of, of the army of heaven had not left us offspring, we would have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. 
they would have <laughs> they would have been destroyed as well if God had not chosen an offspring. So it, it, let me just share a little bit on this. I, I started not to, so we can move on for time's sake. But the fact that only some of Israel will be saved was prophesied in Isaiah chapter 10 verses 22 and 23. Now most of Israel was judged and only a remnant experienced salvation. Now indeed as Isaiah 1 9 says Israel deserved to be wiped out like Sodom and Gomorrah. Yes they did for turning their backs on the living God. But God had mercy and spared them. Okay. God had mercy and spared them. So now Let's uh, jump straight into verse 30. What shall we say then that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it? It what salvation that is a righteousness that is by faith. Verse 31, but that Israel who pursued a law talking about the Mosaic law that would lead to righteousness, meaning leading them to Christ, did not succeed in reaching that law. Oh my God, you know, I have to uh, elaborate a little bit on this. Now, Israel rejection of God's saving promises. Uh, God's sovereignty is compatible with human responsibility. Israel should have believed the gospel and trusted in Christ, the Messiah, Yahshua. Okay, but the majority refused to do so. We're talking about the religious establishment in Israel because the Bible says the common people heard the Messiah gladly. Okay, still God's saving promises will be fulfilled. Now, Paul assesses the situation. Gentiles who were not God's chosen people and did not seek right standing with God now enjoy that right standing by faith. Israel pursued right standing with God through the law, but failed to achieve it. Know why? Like Peter said, we couldn't keep it and our fathers couldn't keep it. The law wasn't designed to save. The law was designed to bring you and lead you to the Messiah. The law was designed to convince you, you need a savior because you can't keep it. Okay. Now let's, let's, um, continue in verse 30. What shall we say then that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness, and I'm repeating this by the way, have, have obtained it. That is the righteousness that is by faith. Verse 31, but, but that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law. Verse 32, why? Because they did not pursue it by faith. That's why. Nobody in the Old Testament was ever saved by keeping the law. Even the uh, patriots, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they were saved because of their faith in God, not by keeping the law. Okay, y'all need to understand that difference. The law was never designed to save anyone. It couldn't save anyone. It couldn't save anyone back then, and it can't save anyone today. And I'm talking about the Mosaic law or either the Abrahamic covenant. None of that could, could, could save. Today, we are under the blood-bought covenant of Jesus, and anybody who, is not, who has not accepted the Messiah as Lord and Savior will never be saved. And we're going to get to that in chapter 10. Uh, verse 32 again, why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as um, if it were based on works, they have stumbled over the stumbling stone. Verse 33, as it is written, behold, I am laying in Zion, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense 
and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. That stumbling block is Jesus. Meaning Israel, look, Israel was on the right track. Okay. They were part of the Mosaic law. The stumbling block came when the Messiah came to town. Okay. Was born of a virgin, Virgin Mary. And they didn't quite understand why he wasn't king of Israel and putting Israel back on top because he had to come twice. And I'm, I say this often, Jews don't, still don't understand that the Messiah, Yahshua, that's Jesus, Jesus uh, in Hebrew, Yahshua had to come twice. The first coming was to save man from their sins. That's the part they don't, they don't uh, get. The second coming of Christ, oh, ain't going to be no nailing him to the cross. He going to get his people. Okay. And he then will set up as a whole bunch of stuff that have to, have to occur, set up uh, his kingdom in Jerusalem and put Israel back on top, put Jerusalem at the top. Okay. So that's a whole nother teaching, but I, I needed to share that right here because he became the stumbling block for Israel. Let me read 32 again because it's so important. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith. Israel did not pursue the law by faith. But as if it were based on works, they have stumbled over the stumbling stone. That stone is Jesus. He is the chief cornerstone. Verse 33, as it is written, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Hallelujah. Can't nobody turn me away from Christ and can't nobody take me out of his hands. And if you know, like I know what's coming, you better turn to Christ today. Those of you who, who are following religion and who are uh, following and attaching their faith to a denomination, you better understand that your salvation is in Christ and Christ alone. Okay. Chapter 10, my Lord, y'all got to get ready for chapter 10. Brace yourselves. Verse one, brothers. My heart's desire and prayer to God for them, talking about the Israelites, his people, is that they may be saved. That's Paul's prayer. And that should be our prayer to, for our kin people and our loved ones, our friends and families and co-workers, is that they might be saved. Verse 2, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. There it is right there. Most people have a zeal for God, but they don't know how to get to him because the devil has confused them with religion. We got people, well, I don't know which religion to choose. You don't know which religion to choose. Christ is not a religion. There you go right there. Christ came to save man from religion. Do you know the law was part of religion? He came to save man from religion. There you go right there. And if you read how the religion that you have attached yourself to um, was created and who created it right there. I'll tell you a man created that. So man can't save you. Uh, -uh. you will be able to find the date, the, the day, the date and time when your religion was created. And, and I'm gonna let a cat out of the bag right here. I plan to teach on before this year is out on the major five religions in this entire world who created it. And, um, when it was created, and then compare to the Bible that they are false religions. Okay. I plan to do that. Oh yeah. I'm not afraid of, of the gospel. Not at all. Not at all. And I'm not afraid to tell people your religion is false. Because I know the true and living God. 
I know the God who created the heavens and the earth and man can't change the information and knowledge that I receive from the word, from the word of God and from the Holy Spirit, which is in Christ. Mm -mm. The Holy Spirit leads me and tell me what, 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 what is false and, and what is not. And the Holy Spirit is what gives me revelations in these scriptures. I don't care how many uh, versions of the Bible I read because I know the DNA and makeup of God, even without reading the Hebrew, which I studied Hebrew. That's the original scriptures, Hebrew and Greek. Even though I have about 50, let's say to, to, to be um, rational, 50 versions of the Bible without comparing it to Hebrew, because I know who God is and his makeup and his DNA, I know which one is the true uh, version of, of, of scriptures. And you should be the same way. But unfortunately, so many people are not. So many people are not. Let me read verse two again. For I bear them witness, talking about Israel, that they have a zeal for God, mm -hmm. but not according to knowledge. This is in your Bible. Been written over 2000 years ago. And you are listening to somebody who wrote something uh, 60 years ago, 50 years ago, huh? 80 years ago. You listening to them. And this has been in the Bible for over 2000 years. Verse three, for being ignorant of the righteousness of God. And seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. How many of you are seeking to establish your own righteousness to be reconciled with God? That's a waste of time because God will never accept your righteousness. He will only accept the righteousness in Christ. That's it. That's it. So you might as well get out this Bible. Uh -huh. If you're not going to uh, accept uh, Christ as the Messiah and as Lord and Savior, you have to have both. And we're getting ready to uh, uh, embark upon those important scriptures, how you can become saved. Okay. You might as well get out the Bible. Uh-huh. If whatever denomination you are attending doesn't have Christ at the head of the church, him, Christ and him crucified, you need to leave that church. It's not worth your salvation. It, it, it is not worth your salvation. Verse four, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Christ is okay. Verse five for Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. So Moses, so what is this talking about? I got to explain that. I was going to just skip over it, but Paul is quoting Leviticus chapter 18, verse five regarding the righteousness that is based on the law to show that those who kept or, or who keep the law, will attain life. Here's the thing. But as Paul has already shown, life will not come in this way since all violated the law. Do you hear? Because if you violate one aspect of the law, you have violated them all. So Paul is saying, if you, anyone who can keep the law, all 513 of them, will be declared uh, not really righteous, but will obtain life. But since everybody is in violation of the law, you need a savior. Everybody violated the law. As Romans uh, chapter one, verse 18 um, through, and chapter three, verse 20. We already covered that. Everybody is in violation of the law for all have sinned. All have sinned. Okay. So where's your atonement for your sins? Because God is not accepting animal sacrifices anymore. So where's that? So you doomed. Every, you already in violation of the law. So you need a savior. Why you don't, why won't you accept the savior? 
Oh, child, I, when I understood this, you couldn't. I dived head first in concrete trying to reach that stone. You know, I ain't trip over the stone. I dived head first into it. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Okay, let's pick up at verse six. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. You can't say that in your heart because God already ascended Christ into heaven. That is to bring Christ down. God already brought Christ down. You can't do it. Verse seven, or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. God already raised Christ up from the dead. You can't do it. Verse eight, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Here we go. This is the only way you can be saved. So those of you who are not saved and have not been born again, this is how you are born again. Are you ready? I want you to listen carefully. Verse nine, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is the only way you can be saved. You have to have both, not one. You have to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I'm not talking about with a little G, someone in authority. He is God in the flesh. You have to confess that. Okay. And then you have to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. What this means is you have to believe in your heart that you know Jesus Christ is alive and well and seated at God's right hand. You have to do both. You can't just say, okay, Jesus is Lord, but yet you don't believe he is alive. You still ain't saved if you believe Jesus is Lord, but he dead. You worshiping a dead God? No. And then you can't say, well, Jesus is alive, but you don't believe he's Lord. You have to have both. To make a coin legitimate, it has to have a head and a tails. And it's the same with salvation. You have to believe in, in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And you have to confess that Jesus is Lord of Lord, Lords and King of Kings. Okay, you have to have both. And I had planned to, to spend some time here because these are the most in, important scriptures or important verses in this entire Bible. This is how one is born again. Born again of the word of God, not water baptism. Because here's the thing, water, water doesn't save you, it can't save you. Water baptism is symbolic to the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. But you can be saved without ever having been baptized. Okay? In water, you can be saved without ever having to be baptized. Yes, Dr. Kamala D said it. I'm not the only true uh, teacher of, of the word of God that, that will tell you that. However... For you to uh, identify with Christ, it is necessary, necessary, okay, that we follow him in water baptism, okay? All right, let me get off of that. You should, I said it to where you should understand it. Uh, verse 11, for the scriptures say, everyone who believes in him, him who Jesus, will not be put to shame. My Lord. My Lord, let me read verses nine and 10 again, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Simple as that. You are not being asked to, to stand on one leg and turn around, do backflips. You're not being asked to go out and sell pamphlets. You are not being asked to go out and just 
and 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 kill yourself trying to do good to everybody let that come naturally if the love of christ is in you it will come naturally verse 10 for with the heart one believes and is justified okay and with the mouth one confesses and is saved you got to don't you dare deny jesus in front of no religion or denomination no you let me read 10, 10 again for with the heart one believes and is justified. You are justified in the sight of God, meaning declared righteous in the sight of God by by believing that Jesus was raised from the dead. That's what's in your heart. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved, confessing that he is Lord because he was raised from the dead. That's how you are saved. There is no other way to be saved. Don't you let a church denomination trick you or deceive you. The only way you can be saved is knowing in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confessing that he is Lord because he was raised from the dead. Okay, verse 11, for the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not to be put to shame. Believes in who? Christ. Everyone who believes or uh, who believes in Jesus will not be put to shame. Verse 12. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. All right. And the Greek means Gentile. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on who? On all who call on him. That him is Jesus. Verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, let me share a little uh, insight on for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. There is no God for colored people. There is no God for Caucasians, for Hispanics, for Asians, for Arabs, for Africans. We, there's only one God for the Jews and the Gentiles. Gentiles are, it covers anyone that is not a Jew. There is only one God. Okay. Only one. And you can only get to that one God through his son, Jesus Christ. That's it. There is no other way to get to God. There is no other way. And if y'all can remember, I want to uh, sidetrack right here. When I did the uh, episode on Jonah. Uh, remember the prophet Jonah, God sent him to Nineveh or either Nineveh uh, to warn them that they needed to repent. Uh, or he was going to destroy that mighty city within between 40 and 45 days, something like that. Um, and Jonah didn't want to do it. So he ran. He got on a ship and was head sailing, trying to run from God. And then a storm came. And I mean, it was tossing that ship to and fro. And the people on the ship had prayed to their idol God who couldn't help them. See, there's only one true living God. And they went to Jonah and said, pray to your God for us. And the only way, and Jonah told them the only way the, ship, the uh, storm will not affect this ship is if y'all throw me overboard. And they did. And when they threw him overboard, <laughs> the storm stopped. <laughs> and then Jonah was in the belly of the whale, baby. That was symbolic to hell for disobeying God. Jonah and uh, the Ninevites, by the way, for those who don't know, are black people. And God wanted to save that city. God called it a mighty city. So uh, black people ain't cursed, never was cursed. The problem is y'all didn't know this Bible just cause somebody holding up a Bible and then say something. Y'all think they got it from out of there. No, they have not I almost went in the flesh right there. No, no, no. Uh, uh, ain't gonna happen. Captain, you can't fool the kid. Not here. Can't fool me. Uh, cause I'm a reader an avid reader 
who's led by the Holy Spirit. Okay. And I'm here to tell you the truth. I promise God I will tell people the truth. So, um, I said that to say that there's only one true and living God. And the only way to get to that God is through Jesus. So there is no God for, for the Jews and then a separate God and Lord for the Greeks. Anybody who's not a Jew. Okay, there's one God. All right. Verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? Here we go. I'm getting ready. We're getting ready to read why I am so adamant and so passionate about teaching and preaching Jesus. Verse 14 again. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? There it is. You, that's the great commission. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel and baptizing them in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy spirit. Okay. That's why I'm telling you about Jesus. How will you know if no one don't, doesn't tell you? Okay, verse 15, and how are they to preach unless they are sent? Yes, God called me almost 30 years ago. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. It may be in your version, uh, the gospel. Same thing, gospel means good news. Verse 16, 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us or who have believed our report may be in, in your version. Now hearing the gospel is necessary for salvation. Okay. But hearing is not enough. People must also respond with personal trust. Okay. Isaiah uh, chapter 53 in verse one, Isaiah prophesies that not all will believe in the context of Romans nine 11. Paul is thinking especially of the Jews who did not believe. Isaiah had already prophesied that not everybody was going to believe. I thank God I'm not in that number. Yeah, I thank God I'm not in that number. Verse 17. So faith comes from hearing. Okay. And hearing through the word of Christ. In your version, it may say through the word of God. Same difference. Okay. Verse 18. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed, they have. For their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. Who? The ones who are preaching the good news. That's who. Verse 19. But I asked, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Verse 20. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. This is God talking through the prophet Isaiah. He showed his, himself, he who God, himself to those who did not ask for him. That's the Gentiles. And back to verse 20, then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have found, I have been found by those who did not seek me. He's speaking through God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. He was found by those who weren't even seeking him. Okay, but yet the Gentiles turned their backs, not the Gentiles, the um, Jews turned their backs on God. And they were God's original chosen people. Not anymore. Those who are in uh, Christ are God's chosen people today. 
Verse 21, but of Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hands to be to a disobedient and contrary people. All day long, God held out his hand to a, a disobedient and contrary people. My Lord, thank God for Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank God for his son, Yahshua. Hallelujah. Chapter 11. I ask then, has God rejected his people? No, by no means. For I myself am an Israelite. So God ain't rejecting his people. Paul is a Jew, a descendant from Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. Verse two, God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? How he appeals to God against Israel? Verse three, Lord, this is um, the prophet Elijah speaking. Lord, they have killed your prophets. Talking about Israel. Israel was some evil, angry people. They have demolished your altars. And I alone am left. And they seek my life. They were seeking to kill Elijah. Verse four. But what is God's reply to him? Him who? Elijah. I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed to the knee to Baal. Baal or Baal is, is a pagan God. Okay. Uh, verse five. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. Praise God. A remnant of Israelites, Jews chosen by grace. Verse six. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basics or, or the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace, would it? Huh? If you had to work to be saved, grace will no longer be grace. Huh? Unbelievable. Let me read six again. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. Verse seven. What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it. But the rest were hardened as it is written. God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear down to this very day. Verse nine. And David says, we're talking about King David, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Verse 10, let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and bend their backs forever. Verse 11, so I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Did they stumble over Jesus so that they can fall? No, 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 no. That's what Paul is saying. Rather, through their trespass, meaning their rejection of the Christ, salvation has come to the Gentiles. That's why I say y'all should be praising Jesus and praising God for his son, Jesus, the Messiah, every day. So as to make Israel jealous. God allow all that to happen. Okay. So they didn't stumble in order that they may fall, but so that they can become jealous when salvation was, was also shared to us, the Gentiles. Verse 12. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, and if, if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their, their full inclusion mean? Okay. Verse 13. You know, this is deep. But, but you can, you know, catch up, stay woke, listen to what I'm saying. 
verse 13. Now I am speaking to you Gentiles because Paul was talking to Gentiles and Jews, both who had accepted the Messiah. Okay. Inasmuch then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. Verse 14. In order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous. And thus saved some of them. Paul was going out of his way preaching salvation to the Gentiles to make his fellow Jews jealous that he might save some of, of them. How is that possible? Some of them will come to Christ because of jealousy. Okay, verse 15. For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? Coming, meaning being spiritually dead, but life from the dead. Uh, verse 16, if the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. The root is Jesus. So if the root is holy, so are the branches that are attached to Jesus. Okay, verse 17. But if some of the branches were broken off, meaning some of the Israelites who were attached to the root, they were broken off. And you, although a wild olive shoot, that's us were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree. Verse 18, do not be arrogant toward the branches. Don't be arrogant toward Jews or unsaved people because you are saved through Christ. If you are members, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. See, this thing ain't about you. It's about Jesus. Okay, this is not about you. It is Jesus who is sustaining us. The root supports the branches. Okay, verse 19. Then you will say branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. Verse 20. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you, meaning us, stand fast through faith because we do believe. So do not become proud, but fear. Why should we fear? Verse 21. For if God did not spare the natural branches, meaning the Jews, neither will he spare you. Verse 22. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen. But God's kindness to you, you and me, provided you con continue in his kindness. Now, here's what you need to pay attention to. Let me read 22 again. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen. Talking about the, the Jews. But God's kindness to you, to us, it will remain provided we continue in his kindness. See, his kindness is grace and mercy. We have to continue in his grace and mercy. His grace and mercy is Jesus. We have to continue in Jesus. Okay, or we'll be cut off. Verse 23, and even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. And we're talking about the Jews who change their mind and decides to believe. So they're not completely grafted or um, uh, cut off from, from the uh, root of the tree. Verse 24, for if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? My Lord, 
my Lord. Ooh, so what is Paul talking about? Now, fear is the appropriate response for God will not spare anyone who does not continue to believe whether they are Jews or Gentiles. Fear here does not refer to a paralyzing fear. Um, rather, it, it is the kind of humble fear that does not take God or salvation for granted or think lightly of his displeasure. Okay, the Gentiles uh, or the Gentile readers of Paul's letter must contemplate God's kindness and severity. His severity has been the portion of Jews who have not believed, but his kindness has been poured out on Gentiles. Still, they must uh, uh, persevere in faith. Okay. Otherwise, we too will be judged as unbelievers. Now, furthermore, God will graft back onto the olive tree any Jews who put their faith in Christ. Paul argues from the lesser to the greater. If God grafted onto the olive tree Gentiles, okay, who are the wild branches, that's who we are, then surely he can and will graft back onto the olive tree Jews who are the original branches from the tree. Okay. Now there are a lot of people who are disputing this, not because it's not written. It's because they don't want to receive it. Jews wasn't God's original people. We are. No, we, no, we're not. No, we're not. And I am of color for those of you who don't know. And I've, I've done my research. Let me tell you something. The Bible is what it is and we can't change it. The original Hebrews were not black as some are saying, because Ham was not a, a Hebrew. <laughs> okay. Ham is where all the colored people come from. We got uh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth were Noah's three sons. And from them three, the whole earth was replenished. Now the Jews come from Shem. That's where the Jews come from. So, and it's not because they were Jews, they were God's original chosen people. It's because they believed in the true and living God. That's where this, this, the confusion is coming in at. I, it's just unbelievable to me. If you stick with these scriptures, you can't be deceived. You won't be confused either. I thank God for his son, Jesus. I thank God for saving me. Okay. Verse 25. Lest you be wise in your own sight. I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Okay, verse 26. And in this way, all Israel will be saved as it is written. The deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. Jacob is Israel. Okay, verse 27, and this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Paul discloses a mystery to the Gentiles to prevent them from being proud. Okay, that's why he's telling us that. You can't boast, oh, no, no, we are his chosen. No, it's because Israel rejected um, God and out of jealousy, Salvation came to the Gentiles. Okay. The word mystery does not necessarily refer to something puzzling or difficult to grasp. Okay. But to something that was previously hidden and is now revealed. 
excuse me. The mystery here has three elements. One, at this time in salvation history, the majority of Israel has been hardened. Okay. Two, during this same time, the full number of Gentiles is being saved. And three, God will do a new work in the future in which he will save all Israel. We're talking about the nation, but not everybody will be saved. Verse 28, as regards to the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But as regards to the elect or election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. Verse 29, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable because God made some promises to the Israelites and to King David. And he cannot, because of his word, go back on his promise. So God promised that Israel as a nation will be saved. But there are a lot of people, a lot of Israelites who are already burning in hell. Okay. So um, that's a whole nother teaching. I don't want to digress uh, too far. But let me read 28 again. And remember, I'm reading from the ESV. So your words may be different. As regards the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. Verse 29, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Now, what is, is Paul talking about when he says for your sake? Now, the unbelief of Israel has benefited the Gentiles. Okay. This is the period of history in which Gentiles are being saved today. Now, while most of Israel remains in unbelief, but God's electing promise given to their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will be fulfilled in the future. See, a lot of these prophecies uh, have yet to be fulfilled, but they will be fulfilled. Okay, now Israel will be saved because God never revokes his saving promises. Verse 30. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience. Who's disobedient? The Israelites. Verse 31. So they too have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. Verse 32. For God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. Verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. Inscrutable meaning impossible to understand his ways. Verse 34. For who has known the mind of, of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Verse 35. Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid. Verse 36. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. So what is Paul talking about? Now he's talking about the words of Isaiah uh, chapter 40 verse 13. Teach that no human being knows the mind of the Lord. Okay. Apart from revelation and no one can serve as God's advisor. We can't advise the Lord. Likewise, the majestic words of Job 41.11 are a reminder that no one ultimately gives anything to God. Instead, everything humans have is a gift from God. 1 Corinthians 4 and 7. Now, 
let's um, complete chapter 12. Okay. Verse one of chapter 12. I appeal to you, therefore, this is Paul talking, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Okay, verse two, do not be conformed to this world. Oh, let me say that again. Do not be conformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My God. Now, the present evil age still threatens those who belong to Christ. Oh, based on what I see, I mean, it, it's, it's unbelievable to me. I can't comprehend it, so I don't try. How many people who use the word God, use the word Yahweh, use the word Jehovah, use the word Jesus, use the word God, really don't know God at all. It is depressing to me. My heart goes out to human beings because they are searching for something to vaughn and it, it's right in front of them, right in front of them. Jesus, Jesus, who died on that cross over 2000 years ago. There is no other savior. There is no other savior. So Paul is talking about this evil age still threatened, threatened those who, who belong to Christ. So they must resist its presence. And the way you do that, people, saints, is to not be conformed to this world. Because as a man thinketh, so is he. And all of these things you see on TV, I mean, even there's violence in uh, Snow White, the cartoon and the movie, violence against women, uh, hate. And see, men love darkness. You know why? Because the light reveals the evils that go on in the darkness. The light reveals their evil deeds. That's why they don't like light. That's why they love darkness. People that, that look, you got to understand this. I knew I was coming to this, at, but I didn't think I would kind of break down because of it. Because I've already read these scriptures over and over and over and over and over. Um, let me read 12 again. Verse one. We're in chapter 12, verse one. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Verse two, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You have to renew your mind with the word of God. That is his will. OK, not the things of this world. You need to renew your mind by the word of God that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. And you don't know his will without knowing his word. Okay. What is good and acceptable and perfect. Verse three, for by the grace given to me, Paul talking about himself, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than you ought to think you need, cause you got to remember God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. But to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned to each of us. 
Because see, it's a measure of faith because we have to build on our faith by the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And your faith won't grow if you don't feed it the word of God. If you don't feed your faith the word of God, you cannot grow in faith. Okay, because faith can only come by hearing God's word. Verse four, for as in one body, we have many members. Oh, and the members do not all have the same function. Verse five, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Verse six, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Now, this what Paul is talking about in the body of Christ. We have people with different gifts, but it's still coming from one God, the same God. And even though we are from all kinds of backgrounds, different ethnicities, we are in one body and everyone needs to operate in their gift. OK, you are going to find out some gifts you didn't even know you had. OK, go come across a couple of mine. But but you, we need to operate in our gifts to make the body of Christ stronger. Verse five again. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Verse six, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith. Verse seven, if service in our serving. So if you have the gift of prophecy, you need to prophesy according to in a proportion of your faith. If you have the gift of service, do you know that's a gift to serve is a gift? Paul said, if, if service in our serving, you need to operate in serving the one who teaches. That's my gift in his teaching. Okay. Verse eight, the one who exhorts mean lift up. Do you know that's a gift to lift people up in his exhortation? The one who contributes in contributes in generosity. Do you know that's a gift to give? It's a gift to be generous to people. Well, then you need to make sure if that is your gift, keep giving. Don't stop giving the one who leads. If you are a gift, a gifted leader, you need to live. I mean, you need to lead with zeal. OK, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. If you're going to have the gift of mercy, you need to be happy doing it. You should never, ever, ever lose heart in showing mercy towards people. OK, verse nine, let love be genuine. Don't fake your love. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good, meaning you need to hate what is evil and you need to hold fast to what is good. That's why I hate evil with the passion. I kept wondering, why do I hate evil so much? That's why, because the love of Christ is in me and the love of Christ rejects evil. OK, but you need to have the gift to discern what is evil and not. because today you look around, people no longer know the difference between good and evil. We have an impeachment trial going on and these people trying to normalize what the president, a sitting president did inciting an insurrection. They are trying to normalize that. That was evil, pure evil. And it has nothing to do with freedom of speech. The president of the United States does not have a right to encourage people to go and try to overthrow the government. And that's what he did. And he needs to be held accountable for that. Okay. Verse 10, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. What Paul is saying here is for us to do the work of the Lord and love is leading the way. Okay. Verse 11, do not be slothful in zeal. 
Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Verse 12, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Never stop praying. Verse 13, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. We have to contribute to the needs of our brothers and sisters. That's who we are. We are saints. Once you are in Christ, we automatically become saints. We don't go through no ritual to become a saint. No, we don't go through no works to become a saint. We are saints and believers. Christian is a name that unbelievers gave us. Uh -huh, look at those Christians. We, the, the uh, disciples and apostles were first called Christians in Antioch. They were mocking the disciples, uh, calling them Christians because we were being, or they were being Christ-like. But we are believers and we are saints. That is what we are. Okay. Verse 13, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. If we have the means to give our brothers and sisters in Christ who are struggling today, we need to give that. This is not a suggestion. These are commands. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Verse 16, live in harmony with one another. We need to live in harmony with one another, one another, those who are in Christ, saints, believers. But everybody is torn apart, divided because of denominations and religion. That's the work of the devil, you know, because his, his objective is to get y'all away from Jesus. And if y'all are being divided by denominations, y'all are not in Christ. Uh -uh, you're not doing the work of the Lord. No, denominations are created to, to divide the body of Christ. Religion is created to get everybody away from Jesus. Okay. Do not be haughty. That's proud. But associate with the lowly. Okay. Don't put yourself above anybody. You need to, that's, I associate with everyone, everyone, because when the opportunity arises, I'll slip Jesus in there. Okay. I have become everything to all men, Paul says, so that I might save some. Okay. Uh, never be wise in your own sight. I know plenty of people who think they are wise in their own sight. Don't understand nothing. This Bible is saying. You hear me have been deceived by the devil. We have to renew our minds with the word of God. We cannot be conformed to this world. Stop allowing the world to teach you walk in love because this world is filled with hate. And y'all should know. I already told you guys, and it's biblical. The devil is the God of this world. Jesus said he had to leave because the God of this world was coming and he had no place in him. The God of this world is the devil. Okay, so he, you know, he wasn't talking about the God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. How does, why would Jesus say he has no place in me? Why would Jesus say that? No, he talking about the devil. The devil has no place in the Lord Jesus Christ, in Yahshua, the Hebrew name for Jesus. He has no place in Jesus. Okay, and he shouldn't have no place in you. But if you conform to this world, which uh, is a system designed and created by Satan and his demons, you are not in Christ. You can't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the re renewing of your mind. Okay, uh, the latter part of 16, never be wise in your own sight. Verse 17, repay no one evil for evil. It took me a long time to uh, 
conform to that and be delivered from that. But I am there. I am there. I don't teach on nothing I haven't received for myself. I don't repay evil for evil. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Verse 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceable with all. In your uh, Bible, it may say live, live peaceable with all men. Verse 19, that's hard to do, but you can do that. You can do it. Verse 19, beloved, never avenge yourselves. Believe it to the wrath of God. And God is not using people to carry out his wrath. Not today. Not like in the biblical days. We under a different dispensation. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And I find that to work. I put everything in the hands of the Lord, including my enemies, when they were trying to attack me at work. And God straightened it out. Yes, he did without any interference from me at all. Verse 20. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And I, I will do that willfully and with cheerfulness and, and, and without hypocrisy. I will feed my enemy and have. And if he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, uh, you will heap burning coals on his head. So what is Paul talking about burning coals? It, it's quoted from Proverbs chapter 25, verses 21 and 22. Most interpreters think Paul is teaching that the Christian is to do good to people so, they, so that they, they will feel ashamed and repent. Talking about that, that, that person who has been your enemy and you do good toward him. And, and uh, that uh, sense is possible. But in the Old Testament, burning coals always represented punishment. So here's the thing. Feeling bad about what you have done uh, towards someone is a form of punishment. Okay? Yeah, it is a form of punishment. So let me read uh, verse 20 again to the contrary. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink for by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. Yeah, you will make him feel bad. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And if this didn't matter to us, let me tell you something. It wouldn't be said, wouldn't be taught. Thank God for the apostle Paul. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for the Jews that rejected the Messiah because as a result, salvation was given to the Gentiles. Uh, my sisters and brothers, that is the end of part three. We just covered chapters nine through 12 and tomorrow we will cover chapters 13 through 16 and end this series with a bang. And until tomorrow, uh, love your sisters and brothers. Um, do not fight evil for evil. Hate evil with a passion. You need to hate everything associated with evil. Stand for what is good. Do good to, to, toward those who do evil towards you. Don't try to exact revenge on your enemies. God will do that, but pray for them. Pray for their salvation. That is my prayer for every unbeliever is their salvation. That's my prayer for uh, Donald Trump is that he is hopefully a seed was planted to where he heard it somewhere when he had all those false teachers around him. I don't know if any of, of them mentioned Jesus to him or not, but my prayer for him is that he accept Christ because it is not God's will that any man should perish, but that all come to the knowledge of his son.
So, until tomorrow, saints, we are still in the midst of this pandemic. If you are out in public, wear a mask so that you can protect others. And if everyone wear a mask, everyone would be protected. Make sure you are at least between six and eight feet away. That is called social distancing. And love your brothers and sisters. Shed love. Walk in God's light. Be his light. Spread love to those who are showing hate. Because those who are filled with hate and walking in hate are truly those who never experience love. So until tomorrow, peace out. were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this particular episode, please send your questions or comments to talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com or you can send me a direct message through my podcast by clicking on the message button located on the homepage of all my podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public to submit your remarks. I should note that you must be a follower of my show to submit a voice message. So don't forget to click the follow button. You can also support my podcast financially by accessing the homepage on my podcast and clicking on the support this podcast button. Whatever you choose to donate will be greatly appreciated and used to help further the gospel. I am praying for God to give you a return on your donation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14, the Apostle Paul says, In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. English Standard Version. Please sow your seed in good ground with a cheerful heart because God loves a cheerful giver. Now until next time, my sisters and brothers, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. And remember, continue to walk with Jesus. I thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.